1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Anybody ready to ever be with the Lord? Wherefore, verse 18, comfort one another with these words. Take comfort. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Take comfort. One of these days we're going to meet them in the air. Take comfort tonight. When this happens, we're going to forever be with the Lord. I just came tonight to preach this simple subject, living the afterlife. Living the afterlife. If you would lay your Bibles down, let's lift our hands and ask God to have His way. God, we thank You so much for everything that You're doing. Thank You, God, for Your presence here tonight. I ask You, Lord, that You would settle in this house, anoint us, God, to deliver this message, anoint every ear, every heart, every mind. Uh, we ask You, God, that You would let us hear what You would say to the church tonight. Help us to take it and apply it to our lives that we might be the church that You went to Calvary for. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. You can... Be seated. Every one of us will live an afterlife. All of us. We will have an afterlife. We will all die unless we make the rapture. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Everybody say the judgment. I don't want to be afraid of the judgment. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I don't have to be afraid of the judge, and I don't have to be afraid of the judgment. So I just want to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and then the judgment's not a bad thing to dread. It just means I get the rewards for the works that I've done in my body. But we had a question in discipleship class Sunday night. Where are you between when you die and when you stand before the throne? Where are you? What are you doing? What's going on in there? And just to give you a little insight on how I answer questions, sometimes when I tell you I don't know, it's because I don't know. Sometimes when I tell you I don't know, it's because I have an idea, but I don't want to give you the wrong answer. And Sometimes when I say I don't know, it's because I'm not sure how it all works together, and I don't want to give you the wrong answer. So I hope you're not afraid of a pastor that will tell you he don't know. I would think you would take comfort in that, that I'm not going to make up some story and try to impress you. I'll tell you what I know, and I'll be sure and tell you what I don't know. But in summary, when we die before the judgment, we go to sleep. Everybody say, go to sleep. We go to sleep, and at the rapture, we will be resurrected and go to judgment. We talked about this Sunday night. The thing about being asleep, when you go to sleep tonight, Lord willing, you get to go to sleep. As soon as you fall off asleep, you don't remember anything till you wake up, unless you have a nightmare, right? Your conscious mind goes to sleep. 
your subconscious mind never stops. But our conscious mind, when we lay down and close our eyes, when we finally drift off to sleep, our consciousness is not aware. The Bible says the dead know nothing because they're asleep. They're asleep. They have, they have ceased being alive. While we're asleep in the grave, we are much in the same state like when we're asleep now. We don't know anything while we sleep. Now, if you're blessed as I am, you can sleep through a storm. You can sleep through anything except this morning, I apologize, Brother Rogers, Brother Slaughter, we got in after midnight. I remember getting up and hitting snooze on my alarm. The only problem is I didn't hit snooze. I hit off. <laughs> so I overslept, missed prayer this morning. Thank you all for your faithfulness. I apologize, but without without missing, as soon as the sunlight hit the blinds on my window, didn't matter how tired I was, I came awake. Because my body, I don't know why, it can sleep through anything except the light. And I came to tell somebody, don't worry about your body when you're laying in the grave. It can sleep through anything except the light. And when the light comes and comes to call us home, you're going to wake up. You're going to go to be with Him. You're going to stand before Him in judgment. We don't know how long that will be. There is no time after death. There is, it's eternity. Eternity is a long time, and it's real short because we don't know how long it is. But when we die, we will be asleep. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 19 Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 19, the Bible says, Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise. We are going to rise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. We're buried in the earth, and they're going to cast us out. When He calls us home, it doesn't matter where we are. The Bible says we are returning dust to the dust. We may turn back into dust. It doesn't matter. The one that created us, when He calls our name, we're coming up out of the grave. What are we going to look like? I don't know. And if you'll be honest, you don't either. You may have some idea. Good. I, I hope it works out the way you think it's going to work out. But we don't know. Here's what I do know. When I die, I'll be asleep. When he calls me home, I'm going to be with him, and I will stand before his throne in judgment. This I know. Again and again and again. The appeal is not to try to figure out what happens. The appeal is to endure hardship. Endure contradictions in living for God. The appeal is to endure unanswered questions because of what is laid up beyond death. For the joy that lays ahead. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, everybody say the joy, when he was headed to Calvary, he had joy. 
Now he suffered, he had sorrow, but how, so how did he get through it? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And he had to die. And he didn't just get sick. And when he closed his eyes and gave up the ghost, he, he died. He went to sleep. They took that body off the cross. They gave it a bath. They wrapped it in, in cloths. They put him in a borrowed tomb. His body died. And then he called that body back to life. Then he said, get up out of that grave. And when he told his body to get up, it had no choice. It came back alive. It was not the same body that hung on the cross. It was a different body. What kind of body was it, Pastor Wood? I don't know. Glorified. It could eat, thank God. We get to eat in heaven, I hope. We're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I hope they got collard greens. <laughs> it could go through walls. Isn't that amazing? It was a different body than the one that laid down. And I can tell you this. I don't know what it's going to be, but thank God it's going to be different than this. I don't know what it's going to what what it's going to be made up of. But I'm going to look unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The afterlife. Everybody say afterlife. You may you may say uh, that's all well and good. Everybody knows that. But what's it going to be like? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. What's it going to be like when I die and they lay me down? What's it going to be like in the afterlife? 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What's it going to be like? I don't know. I can try to imagine it, but you know the problem with the human mind? When I sit down and I try to imagine heaven, all I can think about is the pictures I've seen. When I sit down and I try to imagine heaven, all I can see is the illustrations I've been taught. Heaven ain't going to be nothing like that. It ain't entered into our mind yet what heaven's going to be like, but I can tell you this, it's going to be good. I can tell you this, it's going to be better than this. I can tell you this, as good as the Holy Ghost is, that's just the earnest of my inheritance. It's going to be much more than this Holy Ghost. That's going to be a place I want to be. What's it going to be like? Psalm 13 or 131. Psalm 131 verses 1 through 3. A song of degrees of David. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or things too high for me. There's some things that are too high for me. There's some things that are too lofty for me. In this generation of information, where you can find out anything you want to know. You can just hop on your phone and open up your browser. You don't even have to put it in the search bar anymore. They, they took that away. You just open your browser and go to typing. It's already up there. 
You just ask it a question. It's going to give you an answer. So what's it going to be like? It's too lofty for you. There are things that you're not going to understand on this side of glory. But you got to tell me, I'm worried about it. You need to pray through and quit worrying and trust that God's in charge. What's going to happen? I don't know. But I want to be there. I can't explain it to you. I can give you illustrations. But I ain't ever been there. And there are some things that are, that are greater than myself. There's some things that are too high for me. Verse 2 of Psalm 131, surely I have behaved and quieted myself. If you're worried about it, and I don't think those that asked it were worried. They were just curious. I get that. There's nothing wrong with questions. I like questions. But if you're worried about it, quiet yourself. Bring yourself back and understand God's in control. As a child that is weaned of his mother, my soul is even as a weaned child. I don't have to rely on the dainties. I don't have to rely on somebody feeding me. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I am secure in the fact that he's in me, and when he calls his spirit on, on, off of this earth, I'm going back to be with him. What's it going to be like? I don't know, but I'm going. Let Israel, verse 3, hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. What's it going to be like? Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. You can search all you want. You can seek all you want for a, an explanation of what it's going to be like. And the best explanation you ever get from the greatest scholars we have in the world today aren't going to touch a minuscule amount of what it's going to be like. It's going to be so great you can't even comprehend it. It's going to be so great. Paul said, uh, I knew a man in Christ once, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. The same man was lifted up to the third heaven. He said there were things up there that are they're too, too lofty for me to even speak. When we get to heaven, it's going to be so amazing. But i got to know what it's going to be like. You're going to drive yourself crazy. Here's what it's going to be like. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus. Here's what it's going to be like. I'm going to see him face to face. Here's what it's going to be like. There'll be a little bit of sadness. I don't know what it's for, but it ain't going to be long, and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. I'm going. I said, I'm going. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm going. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6. What's it going to be like? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. If we would spend as much time trying to figure out how to be with him here as we try to figure out what's going to happen on the other side, we might not worry about the other side as much. <laughs> he's here. Everybody say, he's here. We need to seek Him. We need to find Him. We need to call upon Him while He is here. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and He will have mercy upon him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. Aren't you glad we serve a merciful God today? Aren't you glad that He will abundantly pardon today? 4 verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not hither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Here's one thing I know about the afterlife. What God said is going to happen is going to happen. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised first, and those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. What's it going to be like? I don't know, but I just want to be with the Lord. What's it going to be like? I can't understand it. I just want to be with the Lord. What's it going to be like? I can't figure it out, but I figured this out. I want to forever be with the Lord. Talking about living the afterlife, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. You be careful of these prophets who stand behind a a pulpit and tell you everything that's going to be in heaven. Oh, I had a vision. You better be careful following people who tell you they figured it all out. Really? Then how can the Bible say that there are things that are too lofty for me? There's things that's too lofty for everybody but this one special one. You better be careful. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with. For when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When you are mature enough in God to trust Him with your eternal destiny, then you are mature enough to not worry about what it's going to be like. Again, there's nothing wrong with asking. I hope you understand. I'm not, I'm not rebuking the question. I'm just trying to settle our minds that we don't know what it's going to be like. And I'm just crazy enough to stand here and tell you that. I got charts. I got answers. I, got, I Google it just like everybody else. Man, they some people got some weird ideas. I'd rather just say, I want to be ready, and when I get there, I'll know. 4, verse 12. He said, I put away childish things. He said, we know in part. We prophesy in part. For now we, everybody say we. That's everybody living for God. Even the ones that that profess to know it all. If they know it all, there ain't nothing for them to go to heaven for. Because the Bible says, for now we see through a glass darkly. We don't see it all. But then face to face. Now I know in part. Everybody say, in part, you're never going to know it all. If you knew it all, it wouldn't be faith, and we walk by faith. For now we know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. This I know. We're going to die. It's appointed. You can't beat it. These rich people that try, 
they even I don't even know if they still do it. When I was in high school and and, and younger and and back then, there they was a bunch of people that froze their bodies. Y'all remember that mess? They probably. I wonder if they thought them out yet, because <laughs> they sure took their money, didn't they? <laughs> Here's what I know: we're gonna die. It's appointed. Here's something else I know: we will rise. Me and Brother Cannon, the only ones happy. Sister Hannah got a little bit. <laughs> Here's what I know. We're going to rise, and we're going to see him. I'm going to see my Savior. I don't know what it's going to be like when I get there. I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. I just know I want to get there. And this is the afterlife that most of us think of. This is the afterlife that we want to get a hold of. But tonight, I didn't really come to talk to us about the afterlife. Tonight, I came to talk to somebody about the afterlife. I want to talk to us about the afterlife, not the afterlife. I I want to talk to us about an after that we can live in, and we won't have to worry about the afterlife. I want to talk about a life of after, that if we'll learn to live the afterlife, the afterlife is is a breeze. You really don't even think about it because you're so busy living the afterlife. Everybody say afterlife. So if you wrote down the title, put a space between after and life. Because I really came to preach about living the after life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Everybody say, the dead rise first. Then, everybody say, then. That's after. That's the after. I want to live my life in a way that if I happen to be alive when the rapture takes place, I don't hear the trumpet and somehow know they got taken away and then I'm still standing here looking at somebody going, what happened? Because they're going to raise. That's what's going to happen when you go in the grave. You're going to be raised. But what if it happens while we're still alive and we didn't make it in the grave? I want to be ready when he calls his church home. I want to live in the after life. Then which we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Romans 6, verse 3. I want to live the after life. Romans 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were talking about death. We were talking about what happens when we die. Therefore... We are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. How many were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins? What happened after? What happened after you got baptized? What happened after you repented of your sins and got baptized? I hope you received the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues. And as much as we try to get people in the water and as much as we want to baptize as many as we can, we need to be more concerned about their afterlife than we are getting them in the water. 
Too many times we're too worried about getting numbers. Too many times we're worried about well, posting how many we baptize. I want to baptize the whole city of Lebanon, Tennessee. But you know what? I'm more concerned about what happens after they got baptized than I am about what happened before they got baptized. I really don't care what they did before they got baptized because the blood of Calvary covers everything. The blood of Calvary can cover any sin. The blood of Calvary can cover any mistake. I don't want to get hung up on somebody's before. I want to teach them how to live the afterlife. Do you have to be baptized? You better believe it. But you also have to live the afterlife after you're baptized. For if we have been planted together in his likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Here's some of the afterlife. I know what the afterlife is all about. I can explain the afterlife to us tonight. I might not be able to explain the afterlife, but I can explain the afterlife to us today. You're not supposed to walk in sin. From henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So when we die, when we're buried with him in baptism, when we are raised to walk in the newness of life, the afterlife is living a a successful life living for God. The afterlife is being alive unto God. The afterlife is living for God. This is so basic. I hope it's not going over our heads tonight. But we need to understand. We have to live the afterlife. We have to live this life after we're born again. Verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. This is the afterlife. I can explain the afterlife to us. I can explain what it is after we come alive in Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. You, know, you want to know what the afterlife is? It's me yielding myself to God. That's what it looks like. I can't explain to you what streets of gold are going to look like. I, I can't explain it. Some people say it's transparent. So talk, tell me what the crystal sea is going to look like. Is it going to look like a piece of crystal? Is it going to look like a sea? I don't know. I just want to go. But I can tell us tonight, the afterlife is living for Him. It's turning our back on the world. It's not being the same person we were when we became a part of the kingdom. After we're baptized with Him, then we're able to live for Him. But it's not just the baptism you got to be born again, not just of the water, but of the Spirit. That's why he told Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, that's the before, he can't see the kingdom of God. You're not going to see this until after you get in it. That's why people come to the house of God and they see us living this life. I hope I ain't boring you all tonight. We, we see people come to the house of God and they look at us and they go, man, I could never live that. Well, not till you get in it. 
But once you get in it, after you get in it, you can live it. After you get in it, you'll see it. After you get in it, you'll understand it. Nicodemus said, hey, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You're not going to get into this thing until you're born of the water and of the Spirit. But I got good news for you. Once you get in this thing, after you get in it, you're ready for the afterlife. Once you start living the afterlife, you're ready to live the afterlife. How many want to live the afterlife? Are you ready to live the afterlife? In order to live the afterlife, we must be baptized in Jesus' name. We must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, we've all done that, haven't we? Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I just can't live for God. I just can't do it. I, can't, I don't have the strength. Ye shall receive the strength. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I just can't. I can't do this. This is just not. I just can't get myself to do it. You shall be able to do it. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. New freedom, we are at a place. We are at a place where we are not going to be successful unless we begin walking in the Holy Ghost. We have got to begin being people who live the afterlife. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You need to do it every day. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost every day. If you can't do it every day, do it every other day. If you can't do it every other day, do it every week. If you can't do it every week, at least do it once a month. But you, this needs to not be a foreign thing to us. How many want to see the, the gifts of the Spirit working in our church? How many want to see the acts of the Holy Ghost that we read in the book of Acts working in our church? The only way we're going to see what they saw is to do what they did. They lived the afterlife. They walked in the Holy Ghost. They became a church that was powered by the Spirit of God. It wasn't their power. It wasn't their knowledge. It wasn't their understanding. They were just common people that God filled with the Holy Ghost, and they did uncommon things. Only after you receive the Holy Ghost will you receive this power. This is the afterlife. Walking in the Holy Ghost is the afterlife. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is the afterlife. And it's the only way to make it to the afterlife. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law, everybody say the righteousness of the law, we're not doing away with the law. We're fulfilling it by walking the afterlife. Walking in the Spirit, that's the afterlife. But is being baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, is that the end? Is that, is that all we do to live this afterlife? We just repent and get baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's it? We just live? Hardly. Hardly is the new birth the end. It's the beginning. The new birth is the beginning. It's how you see it. It's how you get into it. It's how you begin to live this afterlife. After we're born again, we begin learning to live for God. We don't know how to live for God. 
How many of us here tonight, even if you were raised in this, how many of you knew what to do when you first figured out you was in the church? Anybody? Anybody knew how to live this way? You just showed up and said, man, this is awesome. I think I'll do it. No, I ain't had a question since. Anybody? Me either. I had to learn. I had to have a desire. I had to want to live this way. Well, how do you do that? Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for a man to show us what we need to do. Thank God for the ministry to help us along the way. Thank God for brothers and sisters who will encourage us. We take the examples and the instructions from the Bible and we apply them. Everybody say apply them to our lives. James chapter 1 and verse 9, 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Everybody say swift to hear and slow to speak. Everybody say slow to speak. Everybody say slow to wrath. We ought to be more eager to hear than we are to speak. And we ought to sure enough be able to be slow to being mad by what we hear. Isn't that the context? Isn't that what, what we read? That's what I read. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We preach things sometimes that the flesh don't like, and we do our best to do it in a palatable way. But when you're looking a devil eye to eye, toe to toe, sometimes you got to say, that ain't going to work. Sometimes we got to be willing as people of God. Now, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Do I have to remind us of that? I'm talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. But the devil uses people sometimes. And we have to be willing to say, not here, not now, not ever, not as long as we're here. We're not doing that. And as people living the afterlife, we got to be swift to hear that. If it comes out of this book, we got to be slow to speak. Well, I don't know about all that. You ever heard somebody say that? And we sure enough need to be slow to wrath. Well, I ain't got to put up with that. I'm talking about living the afterlife. Come on, don't lose out on me now. Don't, don't leave me hanging now. We're almost there. We're getting there. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, we're talking about living the afterlife, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word. Everybody say doers. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, if he hears the preaching but he don't live the afterlife, and he be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth, everybody say continueth, therein he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's not until we take what we hear and we do what we're supposed to with it that we are living the afterlife. Just hearing about it ain't enough. Just amen it ain't enough. Just saying that's good preaching ain't enough. Just saying I wish he'd hurry up ain't enough. 
we got to change. We got to hear the preaching of the word. We got to take it to heart. And we got to apply it to our life. And we got to walk it out in the afterlife. Just hearing it enough, we have to change. So, what if I failed God? What if I messed up? Is it over for me? The devil told me it was. What if I made a mistake? The devil said, well, it's over for you, buddy. Everybody in this room, everybody, I don't care who you are, all the way down to the youngest one of us, have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have messed up. Every one of us have made mistakes, myself included. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we find the story of King David paying for a choice he made in committing adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan the prophet came and confronted the king, put his bony finger in his nose and said, You're the man. You're the one that did it. We can learn much from his response to the man of God when his sin was exposed. We can learn much in King David's response after. Also, David knew how to live the afterlife. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. How be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child. He was a good daddy. He knew he messed up. It wasn't that kid's fault. And he went to prayer and he asked God to help the child. The Bible says, And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. This is how you respond to when you fall. We all going to fall. And we all need to find us an altar. And we might have to do a little fasting. And we need to go pray and ask God for mercy. And we need to ask God to forgive us. Aren't you glad that the Bible says if we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. Everybody say all. All unrighteousness. And came to pass on the seventh day. That's a long time to lay before the Lord. Are you willing to do what it takes to get back to God? came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. It may not turn out the way you wanted it to. God's mercy don't always make everything perfect. We still have to pay sometimes for the seeds that we sow, but I'd rather pay for it in the house of God and do what i got to do to get back right relationship with God than to stay outside of the house. came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him, that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself when he tell him that the child is dead? But David, when he saw that his servants whispered, he perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? David had to face reality. Talking about living the afterlife. You can't live in a delusion and live the afterlife. You can't hold on to things that have passed away and live the afterlife. Even if they're mistakes, it doesn't matter. Some things don't turn out the way we want them to after we mess up and come back. But I would much rather 
come back and allow God to mold me and make me a new vessel on the potter's wheel. He asked, is the child dead? And they said, he's dead. Then David arose from the earth. This is David living the afterlife. When he realized God had given him mercy, God said, I'm not going to make you pay. You're not going to die, but the, the whatever was created, it's going to have to be dealt with, and you're going to have to put it away. Let me try to help somebody understand. I'm not talking about you or your children. If you had a child that... that passed away at an early age, I did not stand up here and tell you God killed your child for any reason. I know somebody that happened to. I don't believe that's the will of God. What I'm trying to get us to understand is we all make mistakes. And if we're not careful, we live in our mistake. And I'm trying to get us to learn to live the afterlife after our mistake. We can be reconciled to God. We can come to a place where we ask God for forgiveness. It might take a week of prayer. It might take a week of fasting. But when it's over, you've got to let that thing die. You can't live in that mistake. You can't live in that failure. You can't live in that, that thing that brought you down. Put it under the blood and leave it there. And then live the afterlife like David did. David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. You know what every one of us is doing tonight when we come in here tonight and we lifted our hands and we began to worship the Lord. We're living the afterlife. Because I've done things, I'm not bragging up here, I'm just trying to get somebody to understand. Your mistake does not define you. You've got to get to the place where you let that thing die and you put it under the blood and you leave it there and you come to the house of God and you live the afterlife. You can live after a mistake. You can live after a failure. You can live after a poor choice. Don't you let the devil tell you you can't. Pastor Wood's standing here doing his best to try to tell you you can. You can live the afterlife. Then he came to his own house and when he Required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. It don't make sense. You spent a week begging God to save the child. You, you spent a week without food there on the floor praying to God. You spent a week of effort to try to get one thing to happen, and God didn't let it happen. How can you get up and be live in the afterlife. He said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious unto me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Some of us need to face reality. You need to face the reality that you went to an altar and you asked God to forgive you and you laid that sin on the altar and you said, God, I'm sorry, and His mercy met you there and you laid it there and you left it there. Now, if you went and picked it up again, you need to go lay it back down. But if you've made the choice to lay it down, quit letting that thing come back to you and control you. If you put it on the altar and you killed it at an altar and, and God covered it in His blood, let it die. And let it be. He said, it's dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring it back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. What made him respond this way? What gave David the ability to live the afterlife? How could a man of his stature, of his position, 
commit such a great sin and yet receive the mercy of God. I'll tell you how. Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. He knew how to live the afterlife. I found a man, David, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. If I can get us to live the afterlife, This is the afterlife. Get full of the Holy Ghost and live for Him with everything you've got. Be a man after God's own heart. Be a woman after God's own heart. Do your best to be the best you you can be for God. He knew how to live the afterlife. He was a man after God's own heart. Can I tell you, he knew he messed up. Can I tell you, he lived with that sin every day of his life till he died. But he chose, instead of allowing it to control him, he chose to live the afterlife. When he knew the child was dead and the judgment of God was finished its course, the Bible says he washed himself, he quit mourning, and he came to the house of God and worship. I'm trying to convince somebody, it's time you, you, you stop whatever that was right here. And you put it under the blood once and for all. And you begin to live the after life. This was King David. After failing into sin, he lived the afterlife, after God's own heart. He accepted responsibility. Number one, you got to accept responsibility for your actions. Talking about living the afterlife. We're getting close to being done, but i got to finish this. you got to take responsibility for your actions. Nobody made you do that. Nobody has the control to make you do that. Take responsibility for it. Own it. And accept the discipline that God has for the action. Because discipline's coming. He chastens everyone he loves. It ain't fun getting a whipping from the Lord. I'll just be honest. I don't like them. That's why I try to behave. I ain't figured out what a have is yet, but I sure want to be one. <laughs> he accepted responsibility. That's the afterlife. He accepted God's discipline. That's the afterlife. And then he got up. He recomposed himself. And he moved on with life. The afterlife. Too many times we can't enjoy the afterlife because we refuse to turn loose of the past. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have have suffered a while. Everybody say after. 
after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. We all want to be perfect. We all want to be established. We all want to be strengthened. We all want to be settled. But the only way to get those is to live the afterlife. You're going to have to suffer a little while. You're going to have some suffering in your life. This ain't no rose garden. I beg your pardon. God never promised us a rose garden. Along with the sunshine, there's going to be a little rain sometime. But you can live for God in your sorrow. You can live for God in your pain. You can live for God in your misunderstanding. Don't you let the sufferings of this life keep you from living the afterlife. How do we get there to be perfect, established, strengthened, and settled? After we humble ourselves. After we cast all our care on Him. After we become sober. After we become vigilant. After we resist the devil, after we are steadfast in the faith, after we realize we're not alone in our fight, after we endure suffering as a good soldier. Verse 9 says this, I hope you'll hear me tonight. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You're not fighting. You're not the only one fighting here tonight. Every one of us is struggling with our flesh. Every one of us is fighting our flesh. We may be fighting a different battle. We may be fighting different things, but we're all fighting the flesh. And you're going to fight him until you die. But you can live in the afterlife. You can humble yourself. You can cast all your care on him. You can become sober and vigilant. You can resist the devil. You can stand steadfast in the faith. You can realize you're not alone and you can be a good soldier. And only after these things happen will you be perfect. Now, ain't nobody perfect. Some of us think we are, but we ain't. Let me just tell you. Here, I'll do this. I I was going to preach this message this way the whole time, but I figured y'all would get tired of it. You ain't perfect. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you think you are, but you ain't. Oh, sorry, I was talking to myself. I have to tell myself that. Only after we do these things will be we be perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. You got to understand, before we got this building, it was just a vision. Now we got to live the afterlife in it. Before he gave us these furnishings, it was just a dream. But we're living the afterlife in it. Before he gave us what we're supposed to be doing, we were seeking, trying to find it. He gave us the vision. Now we've got to walk in the afterlife after we know what the vision is. Let's stand because I am just about done tonight. We already read tonight. Acts chapter 1, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. If somebody could come to the music, please. It's time that we begin to walk in the afterlife. It's time we begin to walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh. It's time that we take up our cross daily and we follow Him. Luke chapter 9, and this will be my last text tonight. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. I'm talking about living the afterlife. I can't explain what the afterlife's going to be like. I really can't. I want to go. I want to find out. I see glimpses of it in the Word. But if I try to explain that to you, I might speak red-necked knees. <laughs> and you might not understand unless your sister Laura, she speaks red-necked knees too. 
I really don't know what it's going to be like. I know it's going to be great. I know I want to go. But I can tell us tonight how to live the after life. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and he said to them all, everybody say all, if any man will come after me. You want to live the afterlife? If any man, woman, wants to live the afterlife, Here's the key. Let them deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. If you're not, if you're not in the habitual process, that means you got a habit of doing it. That's some of that fancy talk, ain't it? If you don't have a time every day that you find somewhere and you get a hold of God, you're not living the afterlife. Now, I'm not telling you you backslid. I'm not telling you you're going to go to hell. I'm just telling you, if you want to live this afterlife, you got to pray every day. You got to cut time out. Well, I don't have time. How many people got 24 hours in your day? Every one of us got the same amount of time as the other one. If you're going to be successful living the afterlife, you got to deny yourself. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's all about Him. Living the afterlife is denying ourselves and taking up our cross daily. So I got to deny myself, but just me making life hard for myself, that ain't denying myself. And even if it was, that ain't the end of the story. I got to take up my cross. What, what do you do on a cross? You die. We have to die out to self every day if we're going to live the afterlife. And even if we're able to deny ourselves and die out to self every day, if we're not following Jesus, we're not living the afterlife. But I got good news for us. He said, verse 24, For whosoever will save his life will lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? I don't know about you, but I want to do whatever I got to do to live the afterlife. If I got to deny myself, if I got to take up my cross, if I've got to set apart time, if I've got to take up a fast day, if I got to read my Bible, if I got, I got, I want to do whatever I got to do. To be like Jesus, because that's the only way we're going to live in the afterlife. I wonder if we could all just gather around the front real quick.